Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello, hello there. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. I am so psyched you're back and that we're going to talk about, well, sex and disability today. So if you all would for a minute, close your eyes and think about what you would do to get ready for a date. What are the ritualistic things that you do in order to get ready to go on a date? If you're me, you phone your best friend and you scream about the possibility of a date for like 20 or 30 minutes and you talk about it, you exhaust all possibilities of how this date's going to go before you do anything and then you run around the house making pre-date mixtapes to remember the experience of actually having the date. That's what you would do if you're me. Or if you're a 16-year-old girl from a 1980s movie, that's also what you would do. But one of the things that we do when we think about going on a date or getting ready for a date with somebody is we think about the very first thing we consider when we, do, when we want to go on a date is we consider having a shower. I mean, think about it. In whatever configuration you're having the date, whether you're just going out for drinks or for coffee, or you are going to go back to their place and fuck afterwards, the first thing you consider is, I have to show up there clean and proper before I meet this person. That's the first thing you... That's what we're taught, is to properly meet somebody for a date or a hookup or any kind of interaction. You must be clean I mean, how many times have we seen in movies or or TV where the person's like, oh man, I got a shower, I got to go, I got, I have a date tonight, or oh, I got to have a shower because I'm going to go meet this person for sex, or how many scenes have we watched where somebody is getting ready for a date in the shower? It's part of our culture. The idea of being clean for love and sex is part of our culture. It's a cultural expectation that we have put on each other, um, And it's something that I want to talk today about in relation to disability. Before we dive too deeply into the connection between cleanliness and disability, I wanna I wanna visit the the way that we prioritize cleanliness and health in our society generally. Upon a quick Google search, there are so many articles that talk about the importance of personal hygiene and the importance of hygiene generally for our overall health and how important that is. They go on to say the reason that we get up in the morning and brush our teeth and wash our hair and shower is because many of us have been taught this from a very young age as a societal norm and this is what we've been taught to do from day one. But actually what we're doing is we are engaging in good hygiene and in doing so we're keeping in good health. In almost all the articles that I briefly perused on the subject of health and hygiene, they said that in order to be really healthy, you are practicing good hygiene and that you are able to take care of yourself. Now, take note, all these articles say you're able to take care of yourself. 
and do this yourself. Many of these articles don't take into account the reality of living with a disability and what it means to be unable to clean yourself. And that's kind of where I want to kind of bring the topic today around sexuality and disability and how this idea of cleanliness, health, and sexiness is different when you can't do it yourself. So many people, because they see uh, me sitting in a wheelchair, they often assume that I'm dirty. They often assume that I can't take care of myself and that I'm not clean. And there's a big, big misconception that people with disabilities cannot clean themselves and are not clean at all. Now, for some of us, cleaning yourself is not actually physically possible. For me, that's true. I can take care of anything that I can reach, I can clean. But any, any part of my body that I'm not unable to reach, I can't clean myself. So there is oftentimes an assumption that I'm dirty and I'm unclean because I'm sitting in a chair. I would also say that because I'm sitting in a chair and I am a wheelchair user and there's a misconception as being a wheelchair user that you must be sick all the time, that because people perceive me as being sick, they also perceive me as being dirty. And so because I'm sick, I must not be healthy, which means I must not be clean. Um, and so there is a really big issue with people thinking that disability is dirty. And to, to highlight that, I looked at a bunch of articles where I found that so many of them talked about how disabled people are unclean, how able-bodied people need to come in and save them and make them clean. So many articles popped up when I typed in disability and cleanliness. I got a bunch of articles about how the disabled population is unclean. So there is a correlation between the fact that you think I'm sick and you know I'm disabled, so therefore I must not be clean. I found an article recently for International Persons with Disabilities Day where a community in India decided to run a cleanliness drive to teach people with disabilities how to be clean. And, and while I'm sure they were well-intentioned, that just shows you how deeply rooted this idea of dirtiness and disability actually goes. The fact that you were holding a, cleanly, a cleanliness drive specifically for people with disabilities is a little bit telling of how you think inherently that they're dirty. And that, that idea has to change. So now I want to talk about how cleanliness and disability is connected to sex. And I want to share some articles or some, some headlines in articles that I found around sexuality and cleanliness and connect them to disability to show you how they may or may not work for somebody living with a disability. So when I started doing the work on this part of the episode, looking at the cleanliness around sexuality uh, and being clean and having clean sex, I found a lot of articles that talked about clean sex. Now, as somebody who works in social justice and has a lot of friends and allies with HIV who are HIV positive, the idea of having clean sex rubs me the wrong way. So when I saw that immediately, I cringed because I was like, ew, that's gross. Like, why why do you have to call it clean sex? And the whole idea of being clean makes me uncomfortable because I think about how we prioritize drug and disease free in a lot of male-on-male um, -male sex communities. We talk about how being clean is not having HIV. And I feel like that's problematic. So when I saw this headline of clean sex everywhere, when I was doing research for this part, I was taken aback. 
but there were a shit ton of articles on how to be clean before and after sex. A ton of them. And I want to share some of the headlines that I found. Headlines like, check yourself out, scrub everywhere, clean sex is hot sex. All these ridiculous headlines that don't actually apply to somebody with a disability. Basically saying that in order to be clean, you had to do it yourself and that you had to to be really sexy you had to be you had to clean everywhere and none of it really related to the disability experience which are we really that surprised i wasn't that surprised but it's annoying when you're looking for information if you were somebody who was young and wanting to engage in sexuality and disability for the first time looking for ways to be suave sexy and clean to see that you're not represented there is problematic i think anyway one article I found in a men's health type website told guys to, to if they were uncircumcised or uncut, pull back the foreskin by themselves and really give a good washing in there. Um, and just, again, just totally do it yourself, no problem. I found there to be a shit ton of ableism in these articles. It was just overwhelming how much the assumption is that you you, you would be able to clean yourself. Again... When I read that stuff, as somebody who can't clean themselves, I can direct myself. I can direct my caregiver to be clean, to clean me the way that I want. But I can never guarantee that I'm going to be, be able to do it myself. So I just felt like there was a shit ton of ableism there and I wanted to call that out. We should have articles that talk about what happens if you can't clean yourself and how to properly direct that and direct somebody to do that. There should be articles about that, especially if you are wanting to clean yourself before sex. How do you tell an attendant care worker to do that for you while still maintaining some dignity? I also found advice that was like, oh yeah, just totally trim your pubic hair before sex. Just get a razor and take care of that for yourself. And I just started giggling because I was like, well, that's something that I'll never be able to do. And the assumption that you think that I can do that myself or that I, that I would want to do that myself as somebody with a disability is... Just so much ableism. I have had people go down to my nether regions and trim my pubic hair for sexy reasons and for medical reasons. And I got to tell you, having somebody even that you trust trim your pubes with a, with a sharp razor when you have spastic quadriplegic CP, I got to tell you, there's a moment where you're like, oh my God, you're going to cut off my balls for sure. What am I going to do? How do I do this? How do I, how do I not freak out? It's not comfortable to be like, hey, could you just shave my my junk for this sex I'm about to have it's a really it's a really weird how do you how do you ask for that and I wish there was articles that talked about how do you ask somebody to shave your balls for you so that somebody could lick your balls later how do you how do you do that what like do you, does anybody who's listening have any experience with that or advice tweet me about it let's talk there's a whole lot more I want to get into around sex disability and cleanliness and we'll do that right after some ads, right here on Disability After Dark. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code 
After Dark. Hi, my name is Michael Leontorno, and I produce AMI-audio's weekly panel discussion show, Open Dialogue. I also listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. This episode of Disability After Dark is a handmade piece of crippled content created just for you. We record, edit, and produce each piece of this show to bring disability to you in a fresh, honest, and sexy way. Help us create more episodes and support crippled content creation by heading over to our Patreon page. That's www.patreon.com slash and pledging if you can. Your monthly pledge goes towards things like audio equipment, podcast hosting subscriptions, and everything we need to bring this disability-centered program to you. By pledging your support, you're showing that disability content has value, means something, and deserves a place in our media landscape. Thank you for supporting this podcast. And we're back. Hope you enjoyed those ads. Let's get back to the show. So I kind of wanted to share with you my experience of cleanliness and how cleanliness impacts me as a person with disabilities and kind of what my cleanliness routine is and how it came to be in my experiences as a wheelchair user. So as a wheelchair user, I'm sitting in a 300-pound chrome chair, like a big piece of metal, basically 300 pounds of metal and chrome. And in that chair, I'm usually wearing heavy track pants, even in the summer, because track pants are, as I said in a previous episode, are the easiest pant for me to access, given my level of disability. They're the most comfortable. So I'm usually wearing black fleece track pants, even in the summer, um, and that's what I wear. Now, because I'm wearing that all the time, I, I tend to sweat. I'm not, I don't wear shorts very often because they're just not comfortable with the junk. So I wear track pants, and I'm often wearing a leg bag too, so track pants are the best. And because of the, all that stuff, I sweat. And because I'm sitting, I sweat a lot. Now, because I'm sweating, obviously the sweat gets into the crevices that I can't access, and then odor happens. And so I would guess, I don't know for sure because I've never walked, but I would guess with ambulation that the sweat would kind of move around and your body wouldn't, it wouldn't be as, be as concentrated to certain areas, but because I am always sitting, I sweat in very particular areas like my crotch and my, my bum sweat sometimes, bum sweat, who else, who else with disabilities has bum sweat they have to contend with, um, all this stuff factors into my cleanliness and and it's these are often things that I cannot take care of myself. I wrote an article for HuffPost a couple years ago about this particular thing being disabled and clean and I called it cleansed, crisp, and crippled. The challenges of staying dapperly delicious while disabled. And let me kind of read you the excerpt about my experiences a little bit. One, One of the excerpts. Let me read it to you. So I said this. I said, let me break it down for you. When you have a disability requiring sexy wheels, two truths become apparent. One, when you sit in a 300-pound chair all day, you are bound to sweat in all the little crevices that you would normally be, that would normally be aired out by ambulation. Bracket, I assume, having never walked, I do not have proof of this. Two, cleaning yourself can be difficult due to the fact that you rely on someone else 
to do the majority of your personal care. Sidebar, it is altogether angering that these persons do not in any way resemble Mark Wahlberg or Justin Bieber. I'm not sure why I mentioned Justin Bieber there. I don't think that I wanted to. I think I was just trying to be cool and popular when I wrote the post. Because I'm not a Bieber fan, personally. But that highlights for you, kind of like, when you're sitting when you're sitting in your chair, the stuff that can happen. And that's what that paragraph was about. For me, cleanliness equals control. If I'm not clean and I'm not proper and I don't smell my best as a person with a disability, if I don't think that I'm clean, a lot of internalized ableism and feelings of inferiority and feelings of, of course you're dirty because you're in a wheelchair, pop up and I get a lot of discomfort around the fact that I may be unclean and somebody might perceive me as being dirty. So I have a lot, I have a big fear that if I'm dirty, I must be it must be because of disability and, and there must be no other reason. I couldn't just be dirty for being dirty's sake. It must be because I'm disabled and therefore can't take care of myself and therefore I'm not healthy and blah, blah, blah. It goes on. There's a whole slew of internalized ableism that comes from that. In that same article, I talk about what cleanliness means to me more as a person with a disability and I want to share that with you. I said... Cleanliness is next to crippledness for me in every way. Knowing that I am clean makes me feel that much closer to a, quote, normal person. I may not be able to run into my lover's arms, but damn it, I will smell balls, And my balls will be amazing. When that is called into question in any way, I am forced to reconcile that with the fact that I can't clean myself because I'm disabled. And those feelings are very deep and very real. So you see, there is a definitely a psychological component to being clean and being disabled, and it does play on how we perceive ourselves and how we think other people are going to perceive us. And so when I, whenever I fear that I'm not clean, all this stuff comes up, and this is what I worry about. And this is why when I see articles about people with disabilities who aren't showered every, are only showered once a week, are only showered like, Every other week sometimes are institutionalized and they are given no option to properly shower. It upsets me so much because it's like, what is it doing to their self-esteem and their sense of self-worth and their sense of sensuality and who they are? And how are they supposed to feel ever feel wanted if they can never feel clean? I also want to just describe for you now the kind of shower that I want versus the kind of shower that I get. The kind of shower that I want starts with some hot water and soap and there's a loofah there and I'm just sitting in my shower chair lathering myself up and enjoying the shower and feeling the warmth and maybe jerking off in the shower and enjoying that with myself and maybe, you know, sometimes in the fantasy there's a guy in there with me and we're doing things to each other because that's hot um, and, you know, that I can, ha- can have all the time in the world and I can enjoy the shower. You know those slow motion scenes in the movies where someone's showering? That's what I picture for myself when I think about showering. But the reality of that is slightly different. So the reality of a shower with attendant care is kind of like this. It's almost like a cross between a prison scene and the scene from Oz. One of those scenes from Oz that show on HBO a couple years ago. It's really quick. It's really clinical. There's a lot of like scrubbing with gloves. They put on gloves to get you in the shower. They transfer you to your shower chair um, with a sling. There's a lot of like precision that goes into what's happening and there's not a lot of time for 
comfort. Everything is booked to the letter. So you only have a certain amount of time to actually enjoy this moment. Um, and you have to also tell the staff how to wash you. So there's a lot of discussion about wash my hair again, wash my, you know, wash my feet again, wash my face again, help me brush my teeth. Um, all that kind of stuff happens in the shower. Uh, but And it's really awkward to say to the staff, hey, could you also, would you mind to also... Um, scrub my balls with your hands. I've had to say that to staff. Or it's like, could you... And you have to say it really clinically, too. You can't be like, hey, I'm in the shower. Can you wash my balls? You have to say, like, can you... <laughs> can you please lift my testicles up to clean them? Thank you so much. And I've had to say that to care staff before, and that's super awkward, because all you want to really say is, hey, can you wash my balls? And then, on top of that, how exactly do you say, hey, can you wash my balls... So that I can get laid later. Like I've had to say that to staff uh, during certain occasions, where I've had I w- was having somebody come over later in the day, and I'd have to say like I might be getting laid today. Could you just help me like wash my balls there, please, or or wash my ass extra good because someone's gonna be in there later, hopefully. That could definitely be a tough conversation to have with the attendant care person, especially when the spontaneity of sex sometimes leads us to have to say ask our staff if they could shower us at certain at different times and it's really hard to be like yo i want to shower now instead of my regular morning booking because i want to get laid the whole spontaneity of just jumping in the shower is not something that we can that i can actually do and what i would give to have the luxury of being able to simply jump in the shower i would love that as an option but that's just not my reality I did also take notice of a lot of articles that mentioned that same trope of like, hey, just jump in the jump in the shower with your partner before sex or for sex or after sex as if it was this, this easy thing they could do. And, you know, I really envy that. I wish that I could simply just jump in the shower with somebody and do that without a care in the world. The whole idea of me jumping in the shower is a whole routine that takes like so much extra time that I wish that I could have to do what I want, but it takes me like an extra 20, 30 minutes just to get in the shower. I wish that I could just jump in there with the partner and start having great sex. I have had shower sex. I have engaged in sex in the shower, and I want to share some of those stories with you because they were funny, awkward, and strange, and I want to bring those to light and talk about what the reality of shower sex as somebody with a disability is and trying to get clean with a sexy partner and how that feels because there's a whole bunch of stuff that comes up when you're dealing with a partner and you don't feel so clean and I want to share some of those stories with you as well. So the first thing I want to do is I want to share the story of when I wasn't so clean down there and I was trying to get it on with the partner. I took this from the same excerpt from the article that I wrote a couple years ago. That's how you start the article so I'm going to read from that right now. I'm going to read from it and I'm also going to like paraphrase and and flesh it out a little bit and make it make it more podcast well as I tell the story. So I met this guy at a bar in my mid-twenties about 10 years ago. I met this guy at a bar and we're chatting and he was really cute and he was kind of into me. And he goes, you know, I want to get to know you better. Let's hang out. And I said, okay. So we planned these coffee meetups and dates. Now, they weren't really dates. I found out later they weren't dates at all. They were just him calling them a hangout, but I thought they were dates. So we went on we went on three dates, and I really liked this guy. We were getting to know each other, 
It was really fun, really kind of flirty, and I really was enjoying myself. Um, and then on the third date, he came over to my dorm room and he brought over like really high class food, some food to eat. He brought over like movies and magazines and like some some he like he knew that I like coolers because I'm not a big alcohol drinker. So he brought me coolers and we kind of got drunk and, and we're going to mess around. It was the penultimate third date. So we were going to mess around. And so we he got there and we started chatting about whatever. And then uh, before I knew it, he was on top of me. And we're making out. And I was like, this is great. This is exactly what I want. This is like so hot. And he was pretty good at it. And um, he then he proceeds to go down on me. And I'm making all the appropriate sounds. And I'm enjoying myself. And I'm saying, yeah, go go lower. It feels really good. Don't stop there. And then he gets to my crotch and he stops. And I thought for sure he was going to bring up something disability related. I was ready for it. I was ready to like, to like fend off that. And I was ready to say like, okay, he's going to be a total ableist prick and I'm ready for that. I'm going to deal with this, whatever it is, I'm going to deal with it. And he, I, I was like, okay, don't stop. Don't stop. Like I'm trying to get him to continue. And he was like, wait, wait, no, 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 no. I have to stop. And I thought, okay, why? And I questioned him and he goes, because you have an odor down there. I was truly horrified by what he was saying. I froze and I remember being like, what? What am I supposed to do with this now? Oh, no. And you realize that he's telling you that you're dirty. He told me he was telling me basically that I was dirty. I felt so much shame. And the fact that he thinks you're dirty and not in the Christina Aguilera smash hit kind of way. And there's an olfactory evidence to prove that you're dirty. I was lying in my bed with this guy on top of me in the dead turtle position. We've talked about the dead turtle position before. I'm lying in the dead turtle position in my bed with this guy on top of me smelling. And I'm like, I can't. I, what am I supposed to do? I, I, I remember wishing and praying that I would just wake up from that moment and hope that it would like end. And I just thought this is this is never going to end. This is the worst, the worst possible thing that could happen to me as a disabled person is that not only not only am I disabled, I'm also really dirty now, and he knows it now, and there's proof. He knows that I'm a dirty, dirty, disabled person. Holy fuck. What do I do? And I didn't want to see him again after that. I wanted him to go to run back to his place and never return because I felt so ashamed by what was happening. I didn't want to spend any time with him, and I felt so... I just felt unclean. I felt angry. I felt mad at the attendant care workers because they didn't clean me enough. I felt mad at my body because I couldn't clean down there. I felt angry that I didn't ask him to clean me down there. There was all this stuff that was coming up as this was happening. And then he offered to, he offered, he's like, I can just lick around it. And I was like, no, 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 you need to leave. This can't be happening. And it, I just, it just felt worse. The more he tried to make me feel better about it, the more ableism happened and the more worse I felt. I wonder, does anybody living with a disability have stories like that to share? Other stories that I have very quickly are stories where I got excited to see a guy once and I peed myself before he got there and I had to ask him to clean me before we did anything. He did. It was just super awkward and I wasn't sure how to be like, sorry, I got excited and nervous that you were coming. So my spastic bladder decided to pee all over the place. Sorry about that. Like There was no... There was no sexiness that came out of that moment, but it, it happened, and I was again angry that I had that I couldn't control it, 
and I just I just wished that I could. So the very first time I had shower sex with somebody was we were making out with each other in my apartment uh, back in university, and he said, you know, it was summertime, it was hot, we were both kind of sweaty. He was like, let's get clean and have a shower together. And I froze again because I was like, oh my god, how am I gonna how am I going to ask you to shower me? What the hell? Um, and so he agreed to help me do all the care stuff and I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to direct him because I was like, wait, this is a lover who's agreeing to clean me? This What the hell? So he managed to get me in the shower chair um, and we're going into the shower and he's wheeling me into the shower, which is weird. This weird thing happens when a lover is wheeling you into your shower as a disabled person and you receive care because you think, oh, this is just part of my care routine for a minute and then you constantly remember that, oh, this is not part of my care routine um, because this person and I are going to have sex now. Um, and so he wheeled me into the shower and he tried to get on top of the shower chair, which was hot for a minute until he fell off the shower chair and hurt himself. He fell off the shower chair and hit his arm. He was fine. But I'm sitting in the shower chair going like, oh no, if you hurt yourself right now, what can I do? And then I remembered he was okay and we continued and he, I had to ask him to wash my balls and it was like this weird sexy thing but it wasn't sexy at all because I was so used to the the care involved in what I had to do that I didn't know how to I didn't know how to transition a shower from like care shower to sex shower it was really hard for me to do that like I remember when we started making out in the shower I just didn't know what to do because I was like this is not how a normal shower goes and you get so used to your cleanliness routine as a as somebody who receives care the whole idea of breaking out of that mold and having someone do it for you in a sensual kind of way, it's very jarring. It's exciting and, and, and new, but it's also really jarring. The whole idea that somebody that you're gonna be involved with is gonna see, is gonna help you go from the perceived dirty cripple to this clean person. And that's kind of what I felt too when we were hanging out, he and I in the shower. I was worried that he was cleaning me because he thought I was dirty and he was trying to turn it into the sexy thing, but he really thought I was like this dirty, disheveled, disabled guy. So it was really hard for me to enjoy the shower sex initially because I was like, well, how am I, how do you, are you doing this just because you think I'm dirty or what? I remember one instance where I was having shower sex with a partner um, after our night of passion together. We had sex and there was this really attractive guy who had, uh, had saved the night and he showered me and we, I was just so mortified to show this guy my shower routine because I thought he's going to judge me. There'll be so much judgment and he's going to see that I'm dirty. And he's, what if, what if like I fart on him or what if something happens? I was so concerned that he was going to see somehow seeing me in the shower, somehow not seeing me presented as the clean dressed disabled person right away. That was really scary for me. And so I didn't know how to make him comfortable. And I mean, eventually we just made out and gave each other head in the shower, which is great. But it was really, to get to that place where I felt clean and comfortable, I didn't ever get there, and I don't think I have yet. I've had sex in the shower a few times with individuals, um, and I, I've never really felt comfortable, because it's like watching, it's like what them seeing you at your most vulnerable, sitting in a shower chair, naked, unable to do stuff. And sometimes when you're sitting in those shower chairs, those shower chairs make you kind of fart a lot and so for me I do anyway I fart a lot in those shower chairs because of just the way they're made they make your bum want to fart so 
I do. And that's just awkward. So how do you like, how is that sexy? And so it's taken me and I'm not even sure that I'm there yet. I'm not there yet. I haven't, I haven't had shower sex where I'm comfortable yet. So if anybody listening wants to engage with me in shower sex and explore that cleanliness and give me a reason to say more to you than, hey, can you scrub my balls again? Um, let me know and let's, let's explore shower sex together. So as you can imagine, having clean, hot sex is a little bit more complicated when you're disabled. And the idea of cleanliness is connected to health, is connected to disability, is connected to all of that. And I think we need to talk more about what it means to be clean and what it means to be able to clean yourself and what it means to be able to not be able to clean yourself and all the emotional stuff that plays in on that when we talk about clean sex. If you're able-bodied and listening to this, I want you to think about the privilege you have to simply jump in the shower whenever you want and clean yourself or fuck somebody in the shower whenever you want. I think that's a really you're really lucky if you're able to get to do that. And if you're disabled, I want you to know that clean sex, the idea of clean sex and being clean, if you could find a way to make it sexy for yourself, the experience of disability and cleanliness, that's awesome. And it's okay if you're a little bit dirty and disabled, though, too. I'm there with you. I get it. Um, but we need to have more conversations around cleanliness, sex, and disability. And I hope this was a good starter for you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice. This program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission.